Fill me up, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fill me up, God. Mm. Praise God. I am so happy to be back in Bismarck. I remember many of you, most of you, I feel like I remember. And uh, I have been just chomping at the bit to get back here so I could get another caramel roll. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, to see y'all. Praise God. You feel like preaching with me for a little bit? Amen. I'm going to be reading from James chapter 3. And uh, I really feel strongly that Brother Bankins has plowed and that I'm supposed to plant. And then Bishop will do whatever he wants. <laughs> James chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse, uh, verse 4. Thank you, God. Mm. James says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small, somebody say small, a small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth. Thank you, brother. He says in verse 5, even so the tongue is a little. Somebody say little. The tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. He says, behold, how great. That's big. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. It just takes a little fire. Praise God. I, I, I certainly have a word for this church, and it is this. Do not ignore the small callings. Be seated. God bless you. I, I, have, seen, I have seen this verse play out in my own life. Uh, I try to behave. I have always tried to be a well-behaved young man. I also struggle. <laughs> I have certainly a mischievous side to me. Any other fellow mis mischievous people in the room? Hallelujah. Okay. Oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one. And uh, this, I remember... Uh, spending the night with my uncle, and <clears throat> he, he was a lot of fun to spend the night with because he didn't pay any attention to the kids. He didn't watch us at all. So we could pretty much just do whatever we wanted, you know, as long as we didn't mess with him. And it came a particular night where he decided that he was going to go to bed early, and he just, just he said, hey, you just, you know, you want to watch TV, you want to, you know, plop some popcorn, whatever you want to do. He said, I, I'm, I'm gone, though. I'm out. And he went to the bedroom, and it's just me. I don't have any brothers or sisters. Uh, it's just me and Jesus. And me and Jesus came up with a good plan because my uncle left a candle burning on the coffee table. And I started looking for something to burn. And I, 
I thought about, you know, this and I thought about that. And I, what I landed upon was there was a, a gift bag there. This was around Christmas time. And there was this tissue paper that was sticking out of that gift bag. And I said, that's real thin. I bet you that'll burn. And so I walked over, just to give you some context, folks, I'm probably 10 years old in this story, okay? This ain't 30-year-old Pastor Young talking, okay? This is little boy Dusty. I grabbed that tissue paper, I walked over to that candle, and I, I decided, I was wise, I decided that I would just tear off a little piece and see what happened. And I don't know if anybody in here has ever burned tissue paper, but it's pretty much the coolest thing ever in the world, because it doesn't take a long time. It just, whoop. and whenever I, when I put that little piece in and it just disintegrated, I said, oh my. And I went back to the bag and I got as much tissue paper as I could. And I said, if a little bit will burn, you don't realize I'm still, I'm already preaching right now. If a little bit will burn, imagine what will happen if I get a whole bunch of this stuff to burn. And right in the middle of my, Uncle's single-wide mobile home living room. The walls are made of cardboard, and I'm burning tissue paper. <laughs> I, set that, I set that bundle on fire, and what a great matter. A little fire kindleth, because I was not prepared for how violent that fire was going to be, and I wasn't, I'm not dumb enough to just hold it the whole time. And so I did like this, and when I, when I let go of it, Folks, it started snowing fire flakes all over his living room. And I was trying to catch them. And, and I was trying to put them out. And I was doing everything I could. And it, the, the place was smelling like smoke. And I was doing everything I could to try to, to, to hide what had just taken place. And I, I did burn a few holes in his couch. And uh, praise God. But the house didn't burn down. Praise God. I, am, I, I have lived this truth that a little fire can start a great fire, can start a great matter. Mm. If you don't believe that little things can have big impacts, I would also like to introduce you to what I call the Hayesville Cricket. I lived in Hayesville, Kansas for about a year. I was flipping a house out there. And I needed my rest. Anybody need their rest? Yeah, praise God. That's the same people that raised their hand that were mischievous. I'm starting to think the other people just don't raise their hands. That, yeah, I need my rest. And Brother Bankins, I had a day, okay, a day of Bible studies. And everybody's world was ending. And nobody had money to pay their bills. And everybody's dog had ran away. And, you know, I had been, I had been facing the world, and I get home, and I finally lay down in the bed, and this little cricket starts singing the song of his people, and Bishop, a rage came over me. <laughs> My eyes popped open, and I decided I was going to find that cricket. I grabbed my 12-gauge, started looking through the house for that Hayesville cricket. And what you know about dumb old crickets, okay? Can y'all tell I still need to 
pray through about the Hayesville Cricket. What, what's, 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 what's terrible about them is I would get a little close to him just to where maybe I could pinpoint where he was and he goes quiet. I take three steps back to the bed, tweet, tweet, tweet. And uh, I'm happy to tell you tonight that I found him, I killed him, and he is currently burning in hell. <laughs> Me and the Lord have an agreement on that. But can I tell somebody that big things start with small beginnings? I, let me say that in, uh, again because I, I need you to receive this in your spirit. I'm talking about your small calling. That big things are not going to start big. Big things are going to start small. And if I can never wrap my brain around small I will never walk in big. Hallelujah. I started thinking about 2 Kings, uh, sister scripture, 2 Kings chapter 5 and and, and verse 1. This is a troubling story. It says, uh, now Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a, what? A leper. Yeah, he's fallen apart. That's what, that's what that means. He's mighty, but he's fallen apart. And the Syrians had gone out by companies that brought away captives out of the land of Israel a little, I like that. It doesn't say Big Bertha. They brought, <laughs> that was not, that was not Nice. They brought back a little maid because big things will start in small beginnings. They brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid as she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord saying thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go to go and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. That's not small, that's big. That's a lot, folks. And so he rides out in his Rolls Royce chariot. He rides out uh, in, 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 in all of his glory, all of his grandeur. And uh, he brought a letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. She didn't say send him to the king. She said send him to the prophet. But don't let it shock you whenever carnal people look for spiritual solutions in carnal places. He said, bring him to the king. I'm sure the king can handle it because he only understands politics. Verse 7, I I don't have time to go into that. It came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. He said, he's trying to start something. Look at verse 8. And when it was so, when Elisha... Uh, the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes. He sent to the king saying, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. He came in his impressive way. He came, he came boastful. He came big and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Elisha didn't even go out himself. He sent, he sent the little associate pastor. He sent him out and he said, go and wash in the Jordan 
seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought, well, there you go. I thought that he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He said, I expected something big. I expected a show. I expected special effects. I expected fog machines. I, ex- <laughs> I thought this would be impressive. And all the man of God, he do- the man of God doesn't have technology, he's just got power. He's just got the prophetic anointing of, all he's got is a mantle. I thought this guy would be wealthy. All he's got is spiritual authority. I thought, but Elisha's not interested in entertaining people who don't understand that small things can have great power because it was a little word. It was just a little word. He, 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 uh, uh, verse 12, he, he, Naaman says, are not, Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. May not I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And thank God his servants had enough oil in their vial. Thank God they had the wherewithal to speak to their master the way he needed to be spoken to. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? He said, If you thought that you were answering a great and mighty calling, you would have laid everything down. But the servant says, What? Why are you not obeying something that's small? Why are you not obeying something that's easy? Why are you, this is something that you can do. Woo, hey, I came to preach to somebody tonight. Uh, he said, if, if he had said to do some great thing, you would have done it. How much rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. And then thank God, Naaman, listen to his servants. He went down and dipped in that dirty mud hole called Jordan. And he came up and his flesh was just like it was when he was a little child. Can I tell somebody that God is giving you small callings that are going to produce mighty miracles. Uh, yeah. I, let me keep on digging. I, I, I got to tell you, I have, I, I, I've been in the same place as Naaman. I will admit to you that I have had moments in my ministry and moments in my life where I have overlooked and, and skipped over opportunities that God had given me because I felt they were too small for me. Mm-hmm. Let me get real. If, I, I, you know, if, if I got an invitation to preach a youth camp, <laughs> I wouldn't even have to pray about that. I'm going. That's God's will. That's got to be God's will. You know how many people are going to be there? That's definitely God's will. That's my, my, that's my calling. If I get a call to, to go preach because of the times, you better believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be knocking on Anthony Manga's door. I'll be there. I'll have my sermon ready. Everything's Because that's big enough for me, right? But if the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to witness to the man at the next gas pump. Oh my, come on. Come on. <laughs> I said, like, ooh, I don't know if that's God or not. I'm not, can I tell you somebody that there's some things the devil is never gonna tell you to do. 
There are some things that, that the devil is, ne is never going to get you to walk up to somebody and begin showing them the gospel that is, is good enough to save their soul. The devil is never going to call you to go and forgive somebody. The devil is never going to call... Stop wrestling with things because they feel too small for you and obey the little word that God gives you and wait till you see the door that he's prepared to open for you next. Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah, God... You, you got to understand that, that, that many of us, if God prophesied to you that you were going to receive a million dollar check in your hand, you would say, that's got to be God. But if the Lord tells you to increase your offering double, I don't know if that's God or not. <laughs> oh, that did not go over well. If, if the Lord were to speak to you and whisper to you, uh, uh, you know, 10 digits and, and, you, and you write them down, he said, God, what is this miraculous number? Are you trying to get me to play the lottery? And the Lord said, no, dummy, that's Donald Trump's phone number. I'd be calling Brother Stone King. I'd be saying, my God, that's got to be the Lord. But if the Lord tells me, I want to do a work in your neighborhood. I want you to go two doors down. I want you to talk to that guy that's working on the outside of his uh, garage. Uh, he's got rap music. He's got, uh, he's got death metal playing. And I want you to walk up to him and offer him a Bible study. We say, eh, mm, God, is that you? Be very careful whenever you decide what God is going to call you to without consulting God. Be very careful. Be very careful not to skip over the small callings. And, and let me give this to you. If anybody's taking notes, this might be the only thing in this whole message worth writing down. But the principle of the small calling is this. Nothing is too big for me because first, nothing is too small for me. Uh, yeah. Let me say that again. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Somebody shout nothing. Nothing is too big for me because first, nothing is too small for me. Hey, I feel the anointing coming on right now. Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, let me keep plowing. It, it, uh, Jesus begins to give us a parable. And people, uh, people don't understand that parables are not just uh, stories that impact us in the current tense or in the present tense, but the parables have a prophetic tone to them as well. It's not just about what currently is, but the parables also reveal to us what is to come. And, and, and we're, we're quick to assign the meaning of the parable of the talents. I'm going to verse 14, Sister Scripture. Uh, in the parable of the talents, it says, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. To another he gave two. Somebody say that's a double portion. And to another he gave only one. A small calling. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went in and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. 
I, can I point something out to you real quick? Can I give you a promise and, and tell you exactly how to double? I can, give you, I can give you the secret recipe to doubling this church. This parable gave me a prophetic promise, and it showed me a road map to how to double. You notice that the man with five did not gain three. The man with five did not gain one. He gained five. And the man that, gained, that had two, he didn't gain one. He didn't gain three. He gained another two. That tells me that if I can do what these brethren did, I am going to double. The prince, let me give you the principle. They gave everything they had. That's it. That's it. That's it. If you're looking for some extra special recipe, I don't have it for you. But what I can tell you is if I will give everything I have. Because can I tell somebody, God's not after a percentage of you. God is not after just a percentage of your calendar. God is not after just a percentage of your heart. The Lord is after all of you. Because this is not just me serving a great king. This is a marriage relationship. Isaiah 54 says, know this not that your maker is thine husband. He's not after just a piece of me. He wants all of me. And if I will give my all, if I'll give my everything, I will will double. Somebody shout double. Mm. Yeah, it says, uh, it says, but he that received the one, it was too small. This calling is too small for me to obey. I think it might not be God. This calling, this, this, what he has invested in me is so small. What giftings he has given me is so small. It couldn't make an impact. And so I'll preserve it. I won't invest it because I might lose it. I'll, I'll preserve it. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll bury it. And folks, hear me what I preach right now. If you get caught up skipping over the small callings, you will end up burying things that God called you to sow. We know the story. The master comes back. He takes inventory of what they have produced. He says, essentially, what have you done with what I gave you? <sighs> and when it comes time to evaluate the faithful servants, verse 20, he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Look at what his Lord says. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He says, thou hast been faithful over. Just a few things. He said, he said I, you've been faithful in your small callings. And if you'll be faithful in your small callings, then I will make you ruler over many things, over big callings. Uh, I wonder, do you feel what I feel in the house right now? Can I tell you, when we start measuring our calling up against others, I, I, feel, I feel as if the Lord specifically wanted me to preach this tonight because there are many things that you're going to hear over the course of this weekend. And if you're not careful, either you will say that's not big enough for me or you'll say, I'm not big enough for that. I got one more small calling to share with you. 
I don't want to talk to you about Peter. That's, that's a big calling. I don't want to talk to you about John. That's a, that's a big calling. I don't even want to talk to you about Paul. That's a mighty big calling. But in Acts chapter 9, Sister Scripture, it says in Saul, Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou to have me to do? Just tell me what to do. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And I know it sounds like I am trying to preach about Paul right now. I am not, because the very next scripture talks about the man I want to talk to you about. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Mm. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Can I, can I give a promise and a prophecy to this church? The Lord spoke to me in my hotel room. And he said this, Brother Paulson, there are Saul's in your city. And there are Ananiases in your church. The Lord said, I am sending you to find the Saul's in your city. Because behold, he prayeth. <laughs> Jesus. Saul is what. Notice that Ananias is not called to Paul, the mighty apostle. He's called to Saul, the terrorist. It would be the same as if the Lord would speak to you and say, I want you to go to North Korea and preach to Kim John, whatever his name is. It would be the same as the Lord calling you to reach Osama bin Laden, to win the, the leader of Hamas. That's what Ananias was called to. He wasn't called to the gentle man that, that wrote some of these comforting words. He wasn't, he wasn't called to the prophet. He wasn't called to the apostle. He was called to the terrorist. And I know that many of us, if we were in the place of Ananias, I'm just, I'm just going to talk to you about what I would do, okay? What I would say is, Lord, if you'll make him harmless, then I'll go preach to him. God, if you'll just pull his teeth out, if you'll declaw him, then I'll go and preach to him. But God didn't call him and, and tell him, I've already blinded him. I've already messed up his world. I have rocked him from his core to his circumference. I, 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 I've, I've, 
You're not going to get all those details. You're just going to get a small calling. Uh, and Saul, oh, can I tell you about the Sauls in your city? Saul is waiting for someone who is willing to come to where they are. Somebody that is willing to look beyond their rough exterior. Saul is waiting for somebody who can come and look beyond the tattoos and look beyond the piercings on their face and look beyond the hair dye and look beyond the gay pride flag and look beyond all of these things that's keeping everybody else with the truth away from them. Saul is waiting on somebody to believe that they can be saved in spite of the rumors that have circulated around them. Saul is waiting on somebody who's willing to, to not skip over them whenever somebody says, what about the Muslim? Saul, Saul is waiting. Saul is waiting for you, Ananias. Your ministry better be more than a pulpit. You better have something in you more than a microphone in your hand. You better have some fruit in your ministry that is greater, hallelujah. And can I tell you the greatest fruit that you can possibly bear is answering a small calling. Yes, oh, you may never preach a conference. You may never be the honored guest. Uh, you may never have your, known, your name known by the masses, but your name will be known in glory. You may never write a single scripture. You may never have a party in your honor. But Ananias, whenever you find Saul, all of heaven is going to rejoice because one sinner, somebody say one sinner, one sinner has repented. Hey, I hope you feel what I feel in the house right now. Hey, hear me. When you find Saul, when you find Saul, when you answer that small calling, You'll find what you never thought you could do. And church, it's scary to think about what will happen if I do go. That's scary. But can I tell you, it is a scarier thing to think, what if I don't go? Because if Ananias doesn't go, Saul will never believe. Saul will stay blind. He'll stay angry. He'll stay prejudiced. If Ananias doesn't go, if, if one soul is too small for him to win, if one soul in a revival is too few, if Ananias doesn't answer the small calling, then we don't get two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you know much about Ananias? Nope. How many converts did he have? I only read about one. But my God, the one convert that he got. If Ananias doesn't go, you're Ananias. If you don't go. If you don't answer the small call. If Ananias doesn't go, Tabitha stays dead. Elymas continues in his sorcery. Eutychus falls out the window and nobody raises him from the dead. If, if Ananias doesn't go, Timothy will have no mentor. Galatia will never receive correction. Thessalonica will never understand the rapture. Ephesus will continue to serve the goddess Diana. The soothsaying woman stays possessed. And Silas has no preaching partner. I wonder how many souls have I walked past because they didn't match my description of what a seeker 
would look like. Would you stand? I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you what, I'm just going to tell you the way things are. I didn't come with a pretty polished message. I got three pages ripped out of a legal pad for you. But God's spoken to me for this church. It is a normal thing for Ananias to say, God, why not send Peter to reach Saul? God, why wouldn't you send John? God, I've read about how Philip has this mighty revival in Samaria. He, he prayed through the witch. Why wouldn't you send Philip to win Saul? Well, Ananias, it's not their calling. It's yours. And you can reach somebody that he cannot. And you can win people that we cannot. I've chosen Saul for you, Ananias. And Shortly before service, I was praying. I'm, I'm done, but I, I was over there praying, and the Lord, I heard, I heard a voice, and I believe I heard the voice of many in this church. It said, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I, I'm not some mighty preacher. I'm not a Morel Cornwell. I'm not a Jonathan Bankins. I'm... I'm not a Brother Paulson. I'm not at least on King. I heard it tonight whenever I was praying. God, I'm not worthy. But what I love is that the Lord did not leave it there. I heard the Lord respond, you're not. That's why I chose you. And so I leave you with this. I could share with you a multitude of words that Paul said. There's no shortage of scriptures that Paul wrote. But I'm not going to quote Paul as I close. I'm going to ask you, what did Ananias say? I only see him saying a few things. First thing out of his mouth, he says, Lord, I'm here. Would you lift up your hands right now and pray like Ananias? Oh, I'm here. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it, God. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just praise the Lord here. Let's just.